Welcome to Sex and Violence, a punk rock movie podcast. My name is Gabriel Mara, and this is a special kind of interim episode of the show. Ryan had something of a medical emergency combined with the follies of technology from last week. So we're putting together something special for you this week. This is kind of a new segment that we are entitling My Grody Valentine. I'm so clever. It's interviews with friends and other media figures that we know where they're going to break down the first time they saw a favorite sexy and violent movie that stuck with them always. And this first one is a very dear friend of mine, a friend of Top Gallant Radio, friend of the show. So I hope you enjoy this very special sex and violence and the premiere episode of My Grody Valentine. So the reason I really miss, and this is going to be a little segue, the reason I really miss going to Blockbuster is because obviously they categorize movies by genre. So I would go to find one movie that I knew I wanted to see, and in that general section I would see a bunch of other movies that I would end up watching that I had never heard about because they were in the same section. So I was watching another movie, and one of the previews that played before this movie I was watching, which was probably some teen Euro gay love story, because I was big on those in my late teens, had the preview for Hard Candy. Jeff? Haley? You just don't really look like the kind of guy who has to meet girls over the internet. <laughs> well, I think it's better to meet people online first. Get to know what they're like inside. You work as a photographer, you find out real quick. People's faces lie. Does my face lie? <laughs> I was, uh, I have always been a very precocious person. I was a very precocious child, and I was very adult for my age, and all my family and friends who knew me growing up said the same thing about me. So as I'm watching the trailer, I'm thinking, oh, okay, so something's going to happen to this girl, and the movie's going to be them figuring out what happened to this girl. Definitely not what happens. Totally not what the story's about caught me off guard so I ended up going back I think a few weeks later renting the DVD and watching it and warning my sister and my parents that I didn't actually know for sure what this movie was going to be about but that I was pretty sure it was going to be kind of a serious and strong movie and that I didn't know if they were going to like it or not and if I remember correctly I feel like my sister stayed and watched it with me but my mother did not. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my parents left the room or just weren't interested when I told them it was a revenge story about a girl and a pedophile. I recognize this girl. The things you do wrong, they haunt you. This is officially sick. Anyone? It's just so easy to blame a kid. Who are you? Playtime is over. Now it's time to wake up. Hello, world. I am Tishai Gonzalez. I am Gabriel Mara's soul twin from another mother. 
I work at an advertisement agency as a project manager slash integrated producer. And in my free time, I do what I love, which is I read and I do some writing. I'm part of a book club where we read feminist romance novels called Only Lovers Left in the Library. And we follow Felicia Day's book club called uh, Vaginal Fantasy. We do a chat every month. We put it on YouTube. And I also have a website that I desperately need to add content to called thinktoshy.com. That's me in a nutshell. You know, long walks on the beach, uh, cocktails, and puppies. I like movies that make me feel like I haven't wasted my time watching them because I've learned something or I've really experienced something on an emotional level. It can be a movie about literally anything, but if they have a character that I connect to somehow and makes me feel some sort of emotion, whether it be joy or sorrow or anger, if I react to it somehow or feel myself connected to it somehow, then it's going to be a movie that I really like. I like the movie The Night of the Comet which not a lot of people have seen. 80s flick, there's a comet, people turn into zombies, there's scientists trying to harvest young teenagers to find a cure through using their bodies for experiments. I love The Lost Boys. It's not super grody, but there's some gross vampire destruction happening there when they get killed. Garlic don't work, boys! Try holy water, death Okay, so it's a 2005 movie called Hard Candy, directed by David Slade and written by Brian Nelson. And fun fact, the very first script that he wrote for this was the one that was filmed. So Hard Candy is the story of a 14-year-old girl who, at the beginning, is having an online uh, conversation slash relationship with Patrick Wilson's character. He is in his early 30s, uh, and it is clearly a verbally sexually explicit relationship in the beginning of the film we catch them as they are coordinating meeting for the first time they have been talking for a bit and she asserts her uh, womanhood and tells him that she is ready to see him and to meet they eventually meet they meet at a coffee shop uh have a creepy exchange over dessert sorry i was like so sophisticated when we met a little hard to do that with your mouth full of whatever that is well, it's, it's great it's great do you, do you want some <laughs> sure <laughs> mm. yeah. which gabriel is very uncomfortable uh watching and they then proceed to go to his house where it is revealed that uh ellen page's character has actually orchestrated this entire thing as a as a trap for uh patrick wilson's character she is convinced that he is guilty of uh kidnapping raping and murdering a girl who she was friends with and she proceeds to interview him and torture him and just abuse him physically and psychologically in order to get him to confess to his crimes you know, actually, it's it's kind of funny. Because every time I would mention some, like, obscure singer or band, you knew so much about them. But not right away. 
it was like a few minutes later. Maybe to give you enough time to look them up on the web. Jeff, you used the same phrases about Goldfrap as they do on Amazon.com. Busted. By the way, I fucking hate Goldfrap. I love this movie. This movie makes me very happy. <laughs> I think I was 16 or 17 when this movie came out. So I was prime, prime audience for this, for this message of feminism. It is a feminist movie that is also a psychological thriller. The movie has such force to it that you don't even realize you've been staring at two people in a house for an hour. Look, I'm a decent guy. Ask anyone. Go ahead. Call these models. They'll tell you. Of course they will. You're not an idiot, Jeff. You don't piss where you live. Those girls were your work, and I, on the other hand, was your play. You were coming on to me. Oh, come on. That's what they always say, Jeff. Who? Who? The pedophiles. She was so sexy, she was asking for it. Oh, she was only technically a girl. She acted like a woman. It's just so easy to blame a kid, isn't it? Because a girl knows how to imitate a woman does not mean she's ready to do what a woman does. I mean, you're the grown-up here. If, if a kid is experimenting and says something flirtatious, you ignore it. You don't encourage it. If a kid says, hey, let's make screwdrivers, you take the alcohol away and you don't race them to the next drink. Look, look, I, I've been lonely. Okay, and that makes me stupid, but I'm not a pedophile. Okay, well, Look, this is some horrible mistake. Just untie me now. We'll forget stupid. this whole thing and un happened. Just untie me now! I'd be a little peeved. So when I am ready to go, I'll call a cab and call another one to let you loose. And when will that be? I'm not sure yet. So from what I read, the idea for the script actually came from young girls in Japan who were luring older businessmen to bars and restaurants and private locations uh in ex to promising them like good conversation and then they would beat and mug them so the idea of oh what if you got to this place and the person who you thought was the predator wasn't actually the predator what would play out how could that scenario evolve so it really is this tables turned situation where you think you're about to watch this movie and something horrible is about to happen to this girl but really She's this assertive, independent, very smart character who's decided to use her physical disadvantages and her small stature and her young age to her advantage. She has played to the strength of her physical state to catch this monster. There are times when you start doubting whether she actually has the right person, and as the scenes continue to develop, you're not sure who you're going to believe because... The choice to cast Patrick Wilson is very smart, in my opinion. He is a traditionally attractive-looking man. He's got an easy energy about him. He's very personable. He's got a nice face. 
and he does seem like someone who would be the cute neighbor you would watch through the window while he's washing his car and his wife is inside making lunch like you you know you would see this man out on the street and you wouldn't suspect him of doing something so terrible but i think my favorite scene in the movie is when you make it all the way to the roof and it's it's the end scene where she has played this cat and mouse game gotten to the point where he is on the roof and her her options for him are one of two he he either has to kill himself or accept that everyone in the world is going to know that he is this monster and live with that fact there is no in between you either are going to die and i will erase all evidence of anything that you did and no one will find out, or your ex-girlfriend who you are still obsessively in love with, who, by the way, as I was re-watching scenes of it for this conversation, I realized looked like the girl who gets raped and murdered. Same hair color, same hair length, very similar features, so I feel like that definitely has a lot to do with why he was involved in this whole crime. My favorite scene is when she, she gets him to admit to the part he did play in this whole crime because he was involved in it and he tries to negotiate his way out of it by giving her another person to be the villain he tries to offer her this other person who will be the sacrificial lamb and say i didn't do this thing you think i did this other person did it i will lead you to him i will help you take him down I didn't kill her. I just watched. I wanted to take pictures. But he wouldn't let me. He was me and another guy. I didn't do it, I swear. I'll tell you his name. I hope you find him. I hope you find him. I know his name. Jeff. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Aaron told me you did it before he killed himself. <laughs> it was him, it wasn't me. Because at that point, you know, oh, she's gonna go through with this. She's not fucking around. She did not come here to play. This girl's fucking taken a life. And is still looking to make things, maybe not right, but the justice in it. It was, in legal terms, what she did isn't right. But the justice of it is all this girl cares about. And she's, she's gonna get it one way or another. I think this movie would be my Grody Valentine because even though it's been 13 years, almost 12 years since I saw this movie, I think 12, I don't forget it. The image of her in the red hoodie, the cover of this tiny person standing in a tense bear trap that has not been triggered yet the visual of her eating tiramisu in a coffee shop and him wiping it off and 
her attention to detail and manipulation of this man who had no idea what he'd gotten himself into. It is amazing. And the fact that it has a scene which has made grown men uncomfortable and has forced them to pause the movie because they don't want to see what's about to happen during this implied I'm just gonna say it in your audience you know they can watch it they can't they don't have to watch it that's fine there's a, a a threat of castration that happens and the way the scene is built up it's all about what you don't see it's about what you hear it's about the character's facial responses it's about the lighting and the tension and you don't get to see what happens Okay, um, what should I do first? Your right or left testicle? Um, why don't we just say right, okay? All right, now I just have to give it one little slice to free it up, and then, um, snip. Okay, now I just need to switch her up. This would be so much easier if I had, like, a nurse or something, but... You know, I, I asked my friend if she'd help me castrate a guy, and, well, she made all these, like, ooky sounds, like I was asking her to swallow worms or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll see who uh, makes medical school in eight years, huh? All right, now you're gonna feel a tug, because I really gotta get this tight, all right? So just bear with me. Gary. Okay, halfway through, over the hump. Can't you stop? Come on, Please. Jeff. Some men, they go through their whole lives with only one ball. And they're just fine, you know? Or so I've read, and, well, I guess I figure that you're not really punished if I leave you with a spare. But that scene has made so many people uncomfortable, and I love it. I love watching... I love watching people's faces when they watch this scene. And that's how I tend to watch a lot of the movies that I love. I, at some point, stop watching the movie and start watching the people I'm watching the movie with. And it's a very irritating (laughs) characteristic. And I know that it probably irritates people who watch TV with me because everyone can tell when they're being stared at. So I try to be discreet. But I love watching people react and respond to so many different scenes in this movie and I've probably seen it five times because it's on I think it's on YouTube and every now and then I'll just every couple years I'm like you know what I want to watch Ellen Page uh, get revenge on a pedophile for a little bit I'm just gonna go ahead and watch that and I suppose that part of me would like to think that if I needed to get revenge on someone at some point, I would do it as effectively as Ellen Page's character. Because I think we're probably the same height, even though in the movie she's 14. If you didn't find my throat clearing irritating and (laughs) thought that I was maybe a little bit funny, Uh, You can catch me and my friends on our Romance Feminist Book Club vlog Uh, on YouTube. We live stream every month. It's Only Lovers Left in the Library. 
Uh, we follow Felicia Day's book club, Vaginal Fantasy. It's great. You can follow my best friend on Instagram. Her account is When Reading Attacks. I'm available on Instagram, TashiGirl, T-A-S-H-Y-G-R-L, or you can go to my website, thinktoshy.com, where I will hopefully be writing and adding more things and working on my paintings and adding pictures and maybe finally putting some stuff about my Costa Rica trip together because it's been a long time and I've been promising to have new content up there forever. Um, and hopefully you will also be seeing me on Gabriel Mara's internet stuff because he's got way too many podcasts and book clubs and part-time jobs for me to remember. But slow readers, sex and violence. Is there anything else I need to remember? Oh yeah, I forgot, of course. Top Gallant Radio, his collaboration with, I think it's Danny? Uh, Only Lovers, Left in the Library, will actually be releasing our, I think it's two years worth of book club videos as audio files. So Gabe's probably going to be able to make an hour and 20 minute long video about vampire jizz into 40 minutes worth of comedy gold. So yes, Top Gallant Radio, Slow Readers, Sex and Violence, all great names by the way. Just gonna put that out there. If you guys don't know, now you know. I'm also on Twitter, same as my Instagram handle. It's T-A-S-H-Y-G-R-L because I don't like to have to remember more than one thing. So on Instagram, it's Tashi Girl. On Twitter, it's at Tashi Girl. And on the interwebs, it's thinktoshy.com because sometimes I think about stuff. That was fun, right? It's still Gabriel here. So you can find us all over the internet at Top Gallant Radio on Twitter as well as Instagram. You can find this show on Sex and Violence Pod on Instagram and the letters SNV Podcast on Twitter. Ryan and I will be back next week, I promise. Also, I don't mean to alarm anyone. Ryan's fine, I swear. It was a very minor medical problem. Like, he had to, like, get shrapnel out of his arm after he fought off a wave of, like, I don't know, fucking... Cambodians. Cambodian soldiers. Like in that Rambo movie. The bad one. Ugh. Anyway, so I've been Gabriel Mara. I'll see you next week.